Welcome, everybody, to episode number four of the FearCast. Thank you again, everybody, for, for downloading, for listening, for uh, uh, giving these recommendations to other people, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your colleagues, um, anybody who might benefit from the information we're talking about uh, here in the podcast. It is greatly appreciated by me. Hopefully, it's greatly appreciated by them. But um, thank you so much for sticking with me and sticking with the uh, development of trying to figure out the uh, technical aspects of things, figuring out the format of things, uh, and also in the patience that you all have in the frequency in which these are recorded and released. Um, I was advised by somebody prior to doing this that uh, starting it now, right when I'm about to have my first kiddo, that maybe, um, maybe put this off, maybe wait just a little bit. Give it some time to try to figure out if this is something that uh, I can fit into my schedule, that I can actually do uh, before uh, before I have this kiddo. Because uh, they said um, that uh, having a child takes a ton of time, and it takes a ton of energy, and takes uh, a focus, and, and, and all this stuff. Um, I was like, I'll figure it out. I can manage this. I can, you know, I have some days off. I can, you know, record an hour here, a little bit there, edit there. There. Turns out, when you have a child, some of you don't know this, some of you do, when you have a child, it takes up a bunch of time. And also, when you have uh, a beautiful, fantastic condenser mic like I have right in front of me, it's super sensitive, so you can hear everything. So, if there is a baby squeaking and squawking uh, on the other side of the house, you can probably hear it through this microphone. So it's a little bit of a challenge to try to figure out when I'm going to do it, but uh, I do appreciate everybody, uh, all of you who are listening, uh, for sticking with me and um, uh, having the patience to get through this. So again, as I mentioned, this is the FearCast. This is the podcast for sufferers with anxiety and OCD in getting back to a life worth living. You either probably downloaded this through uh, iTunes or through Stitcher or through uh, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, but you can also go visit us uh, on the web at www.fearcastpodcast.com. And that's the website you're going to go to if you want to submit a question. So you can either submit questions in one of two ways. One, you can leave me a voice message. You can call from your regular, regular phone uh, at 714 714- Five nine four nine two eight one. You can leave a voice message there. That will get to me, and that will be one way that you can uh, get your questions answered through an, a future episode. Another way is to go to the website again, fearcastpodcast.com, Navigate over to the submit a question link. Um, follow the directions there, and you can leave your question there. I will read them, and as uh, evidenced from this and the previous episodes, I will likely answer that in a future episode. So before I get to some questions, I wanted to go over something that I think is just super helpful for every single person, not just people with anxiety or OCD or fears or worries, but this is stuff for everyone, um, even those with uh, depression or um, the magical few out there who don't seem to think that they have any sort of mental illness or any sort of uh, uh, issues that are going on, and, and they're, quote, fine. Um, 
We're going to address that another time. Something that can be really helpful, and I've talked about this with uh, a number of my clients, and uh, uh, it, it just over, over and over and over again, it just makes it clear that this is something that everyone should have in their back pocket, kind of ready to go, just when things hit the fan, or when times get tough, or when anxiety spikes, or when depression starts clouding over our mind. Um, and this is what uh, I will call a personal care kit. This can be, uh, some people will call it an emergency kit. I think I've referred to it a, at other times as, as a personal emergency kit. Uh, it, can be a, um, it can be just a plan for difficult times. Whatever you want to call it, it's going to be a list of things that you can do to help manage the anxiety, to manage the stress, to manage the depression, so that you can prevent yourself from getting further and further spiked, to prevent yourself from getting further and further sucked into the depression and to kind of get back to some basic coping skills that are going to help you ride that out until all of that passes. As we've talked about before, anxiety as well as depression will always pass. If you just give it enough time, that fear, that anxiety, that that depression, that unwanted feeling state, that big that 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 big overarching concept, unwanted feeling state, whatever you're feeling right now is eventually going to pass. So the big question is, how are you going to weather the storm? How are you going to get through this until the time that you start feeling good again, or you start feeling at the very least start feeling back to normal, whatever normal is, actually, at the very least, not feeling what it is that you're feeling. So you might not feel at some point great or good or what you want, but we might not be in the trough or at the peak of our anxiety or depression. So these are going to be some concepts and things that you can start to practice or start to consider and then practice that's going to help you get through it. Now, this is not the end-all be-all approach. There are going to be a number of books or articles online, or advice that you're going to hear from your friends or family or colleagues or therapists, um, and they're going to suggest, uh, do this different thing, or don't include that, or uh, don't listen to that Kevin guy, he's ridiculous, or something like that. They're going to say something, but this is just something to get started. One way that I encourage you to do this is by getting a piece of paper and to start writing down these different points so that you can have it in front of you. Now, you can either keep this in a piece of paper. Some people will uh, take it, write all these things down on a piece of paper, fold it up, put it in their wallet or their purse or their pocket or whatever it is that you carry with you. That can sometimes be cumbersome. A lot of the worries I hear people say are, well, what if somebody finds this? They're going to think X, Y, and Z about me. Well, they might. And two, you might not lose it. So there's that. But another way that you can probably manage to have this information on you readily accessible is by writing it down in your cell phone somewhere. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you know what a cell phone is, you've used it, you've operated one, and you're probably pretty comfortable with it. And likely speaking, it's on you all the stinking time. It's there. And it's always with me, just in case I need to text somebody or look something up. You have yours too. So if you can have this bit of information, this personal care kit written down in your phone in the memo pad or somewhere on it, you can, ex you can access it and be, be prepared and prepped and ready to deal with the storm when it comes. All right, so what's included in this? Number one, we want to have a list of three to five things that we can do when we get stressed or anxious in the moment. Three to five things of just stuff you can do to help manage your anxiety, your depression, your unwanted feeling state that's going to be in a more appropriate and more safe, a more reasonable, more pro-social sort of way. 
If we get stressed and anxious, sometimes we have a tendency to yell and scream. Sometimes we have a tendency to go grab a drink. Sometimes we have a tendency to go do our compulsion. Sometimes we have a tendency to stay in our room and not want to go anywhere. Or we start making some pretty hasty and rash decisions like quitting jobs or quitting relationships or stuff like that. None of that's helpful. What we're trying to do with that is we're going to wait this storm out until it changes, and then we can start thinking more reasonably about the decisions we made. So, the three to five things that you can do, you can think about this way. These are things that you can do anywhere. So wherever you are, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, these are things that you can do. Now, there's going to be some overlap in this list, by the way. So for example, one of the three to five things that you can maybe do is to whip out your phone and to use a mindfulness app to help deal with the anxiety or the depression or the stress right now. And there, there are a couple of really good ones out there. Um, I'll let you search for the one that you like. But you can use one of those apps to help get through that. One thing that may or may not be helpful is going on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter. Sometimes that can cause more frustration and stress. Some people will say, well, I use it to escape, to kind of get out of my head, um, to kind of refocus my attention on something else. It's marginally helpful, but um, kind of the way things go, and, and you know you, you know you. If it feels like it's amping you up, it's probably not one of the things that need to make it to this list. So other things that you can do kind of anywhere, you can write down, accept my feelings, accept the frustration, accept the sadness, accept that thought. That's a tool and technique that can help you to manage that sensation, that unwanted feeling state anywhere whether you're at work or at home, when you're feeling stressed, you can say to yourself, this is how I'm feeling. It's not my favorite, but I know this is going to pass. Now, if you're at home, one of the three to five things can be take a bath. It can be watch TV. It can also be listen to a podcast. But those are some things that can be helpful. Now, you might not be able to take a bath when you're at work, but what are some things that you can do at work that can make that list? So think about things that you can also do in specific locations. Maybe that's going to be talk to a friend if you're able to at work. If you have a chance at work, maybe it's play solitaire, do Sudoku. People are doing that these days still. Now, if I'm at home, some of the things that I do to help manage my stress or my depression or my anxiety is I go for a walk. If I'm feeling particularly frustrated or particularly anxious about something, Grab the dog, put the leash on, and I go for a walk. It may not be a crazy long walk, but it's going to be something. And likely speaking, it's going to help me to get out of the environment that's typically stressing me out. I get out there, I let my frustration levels or my um, whatever it is that I'm feeling kind of come down a little bit so then I can come back to my life to then address those things with greater clarity instead of just getting frustrated and... and, and letting my emotions get the best of me. Now, you also might be thinking, well, you're suggesting some things that are going to try to make my feelings come down, that are going to make me not feel anxious. Isn't that a compulsion? Well, sure. Almost everything that we can do that's good can also be used in a compulsive manner. This is where you are required to think for yourself and to be really honest with yourself about whether or not this thing that you're doing is a compulsion. A decent rule of thumb with that is, if you do this activity and the anxiety immediately comes down, it might be a compulsion. 
Now, if you're doing a mindfulness app and that anxiety starts to progressively come down over time and it doesn't feel like you have to do the mindfulness app or that you have to take a bath or that you have to call that friend, then it might not be a compulsion. It might not be that bad. But again, if compulsions typically or, or unhelpful things that we can do with our anxiety and depression, um, those unhelpful things likely come with that sense of urgency. I have to do this or else. I have to do this or it's never going to get better. Things like that. Some other things that might make it to this three to five list are things that you can do in very specific situations. So we talked about like um, at home or at work. But what about if your fear is like getting shots or your fear is heights or your fear is driving? Well, what are some three to five things that you can do there? So it might be Listen to music. It might be reminding yourself to keep your eyes focused ahead of you. Things that can help you get through that because avoidance is not going to help. So think about some things that you could add to this list, just three to five things that may work for you to help you to deal with some of that feeling for the time that it's there. Now, how you do this, by the way, when you are then stressed, you're going to whip out that paper, you're going to get your phone, you're going to read through the things, and you're going to start with number one. And when you're stressed, you're saying, instead of doing my compulsions, or instead of trying to avoid, I'm going to do this thing. You're going to try it, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't mean that it failed. It just means that for whatever reason, right now, it's not working. Okay, you got three to five things on there. Go to number two. Try that one. See how that works. Because sometimes our best coping skills just don't work for us. That's fine. Sometimes going for a walk with the dog isn't the magic bullet for me. is isn't the thing that's going to help because I come back and I'm still really annoyed sometimes. Um, so I go, to, I go to option two and I try that and I work that out and I see how that works. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So then I go to option three and you will go to your option three and so on and so on until you get to five and you go, oh my gosh, none of those things are working. Well, you know what? Try number one again. And number one may be, accept that sometimes I'm going to feel this feeling. But it's always going to go away, as we've talked about in other episodes. Okay, so another thing that you need to have on your personal care list is two events that you're looking forward to. Now, you can space these out at two months and six months, or it can be five months and a year from now. But you need to have something that you're looking forward to something that you're excited to do, something that if, if you're thinking about work and you're stressed out about it and you're feeling stuck um, and you're thinking that nothing's changing, you can say, while this sucks, I know I've got this coming up. And whatever the this thing is, um, be excited for it. It should be something that you're excited to do, not something like, you know, oh, I've got this obligation in six months that um, you know I know is going to be there. I've got my you know, my cousin's birthday, who I don't really like very much. Um, by the way, that is not a comment on any of my cousins who may or may not be listening to this, but it's an event in the future. So it could be in two months, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy tickets to a concert that I really wanted to go see. It might be a camping trip. It might be a vacation. It gives you something to look forward to. Another thing to have in your personal care kit is access to a community uh, that is related to spiritual or religious or otherwise higher power or otherwise something bigger than you. Oftentimes, these groups have inbuilt 
community or inbuilt ways for you to serve other people and for you to get get outside of your own stress and struggles and to try to help the lives of other people. Now, when we help other people, we usually start feeling good ourselves. So whatever that is that you can do that connects to something bigger than you, think about what that is. Maybe that's a church community. Maybe that is a um, Maybe that's a political organization that you might wanted to get connected to. Maybe that's going to be a volunteer organization. Maybe you're going to get a part, or maybe you're going to join the Big Brothers Big Sisters of America, or you're going to join the YMCA and volunteer there. Another thing you're going to have on this list is you're going to have the names of three people that you can call that you can spend time with. On this list, you're going to write their names and their phone numbers so you have it written down. And give yourself permission to then call that person, reach out to them, send them a text, see if they're available to chat. And if not, go to the next person on the list, see if they're available to chat. Another important part of your personal care kit are things that you can do to care for your body. Now, this is where some of that, uh, uh, that overlap from three to five things in the beginning part of this is. So some of that might be deep breathing. Some of that might be exercise. So when we're feeling stressed, sometimes, as I previously mentioned, going for a walk is really helpful. Going to the gym can be really helpful if you're, if you're able to do it. Simply doing yoga at home can be helpful. Simply stretching. In times of stress and struggle, maybe making better health choices in the food that you eat might be a good idea. Kind of if we're feeling really stressed, sometimes it's that we're just eating poorly for the past week or so. This might be particularly relevant sometimes around the holidays where we're feeling like garbage because we've just been doing nothing but eating or eating weird foods or unhealthy foods or things like that. So maybe we can say, you know what, today I'm going to make a better choice for the food that I eat. And sometimes that makes us feel pretty good. Now, conversely, maybe you can say, all right, I'm feeling stressed and anxious and upset. Today, I'm just eating comfort food. I'm eating foods that taste good, that I just like. Now, this is kind of the complete opposite of my previous advice, but again, not all of these are magic bullets. And in following this to a T or following what the guru has said may not be the thing that's going to be helpful for you. So this takes some tweaking to know what's going to work for you. And sometimes eating healthier is going to be the better decision than eating the junk food. But it's stuff for you to think about. Now, lastly, emergency numbers. You need to have on this list written down things or people that you can call or places that you can go if it really becomes an emergency. So that can be the phone number and address of your local hospital. Obviously, 911 is a number that can go on this. Put the number of your therapist down. That can also be helpful. Maybe their email address too. Maybe another support number. Maybe the National Suicide Hotline. Now, by the way, the National Suicide Hotline is 800-273-8255. Now, that number is uh, on the FearCast podcast website at the Get Help link. There's also going to be some links to some other things. Now, by the way, for those of my listeners who are not in America, you'll need to think about what are the emergency numbers in your country. Put those things down. Just make sure that they are there and ready. Again, everything that I talked about here isn't perfect. You might, you might add some things. You might talk this over with your therapist or friend, and they're going to make a recommendation that isn't what I mentioned here, and that's fine. But have this list ready to go on your phone, written down, and reference it from time to time. See if some things need to be adjusted or updated, and most importantly, try it. 
you don't know if this tool doesn't work unless you try it. Because who knows? It could completely fail for you, or it could be great. But you have to try it. Try it a couple of times. Try it once if it didn't work for you. Make some edits and adjustments, and then try it again. All right, that's about enough of that. If you have any questions about that, you can always send me a call or send me a message, and I'll be happy to answer and clarify some things. But on to some questions. Jengis submitted this question through the website. Hi. First of all, I really like your podcast, and it helped me a lot. I have obsessive thoughts about going crazy. I constantly have thoughts about losing control and acting weird. Sometimes, I even had what felt like, to me, a panic attack, where I was convinced that I was going crazy. Then, I get obsessive thoughts about obsessive thoughts, since they make me feel like it's a sign of me going crazy. How do I deal with this? Do I accept these thoughts as a way of cognitive exposures? Because I know resisting these thoughts just makes it worse. He adds, another note. I would love to send you a voice message, but I live in Europe and I cannot call the number. Is it possible to maybe upload a recorded voice message? Thank you and best regards. Jengis, thank you so much for this message. Um, to address your second point first, um, yes, I realize the phone number that I have is uh, for... Uh, for American calls or for folks who don't want to make an international call. Uh, totally get that. Uh, yes, if you record a message, you can always email it to me. My The email address that you can send that pre-recorded message to is questions at fearcastpodcast.com. So that's where all the questions eventually go to. So if you send it into questions at fearcastpodcast.com, uh, I'll be able to hear it there and probably download and upload it to the website and or to the uh, uh, to the podcast later on. So great question. So that's one way to do it. So the fear of going crazy is actually a fear and a worry that I hear in my practice. A lot of folks get concerned that because they're having their feared thoughts or they're hearing this, uh, sometimes they'll have those thoughts go through their mind and it can sound like their internal dialogue. Sometimes they'll get these images in your mind that are uh, egodystonic, so not thoughts that they would love to think or thoughts that are consistent with who it is that they are. Sometimes they're violent or sexual or something like that. Sometimes they'll get physical sensations that feel different or feel odd or don't feel quite right. Sometimes it can be like they will, that internal monologue can sound like a voice that you're getting. And so it can feel like one is developing schizophrenia or quote, going crazy. Sometimes that intrusive thought is, what if I lose control? And behind that can be some fears about, well, what, what's going to happen to me if I, in fact, lose control over my body or my actions? Well, it might be that I harm somebody. It might be that I do that thing that I desperately don't want to do. It might just be that I'm acting outside of my character and I desperately need myself to be me or to be predictable or to be reliable. Because if I'm not that, well, something bad may happen or it just symbolizes something that I just don't want or makes me feel uncomfortable. I've also heard it as, if I act this way or act outside of the way that I normally am, or if I'm not me, other people will judge me. It might be that my boyfriend or girlfriend will leave me because I'm not me anymore. It might be, well, I'm going crazy and I'm becoming that person, so that will be awful. That's more along the lines of emotional contamination, but that's for another podcast. You also said that you felt like you had panic attacks, and from them you felt convinced that you were going crazy. Now, it's possible 
you were having a panic attack. And during that time, a lot of people who have panic attacks will complain that they're feeling like they're going crazy. And sometimes it is that they're hyper-focusing on the physical sensations they have, or that their head's in a cloud, or their, their, their thoughts are racing. It can feel like them, they're not themselves, or it feels like they are losing control or in, in, not being in touch with their mind and body and control and faculties and all of that. Some folks will have similar thoughts where it feels like, or their obsessive thought is, what if I'm developing bipolar disorder? Or what if I'm developing another diagnosis that makes me feel, that, that would then qualify me as, quote, crazy? You also said, and I get obsessive thoughts about my obsessive thoughts. So for those of you who don't know what that is, sometimes that sounds like uh, an internal obsession, the hyper-questioning um, overvaluation of the thoughts that we're having. So, am I having the right thoughts? Are these thoughts the thought of a crazy person, or are these thoughts someone who has OCD? Or are these normal thoughts? Are these not normal thoughts? Should I be having these thoughts? Should I not be having that thought? Should I avoid that thought? Or is this thought a good thought? So kind of that judgment or values-based aspect of the thoughts. So this is what some people will call the difference between a primary obsession and the secondary obsession. The primary obsession being the, the main fear. So quote, going crazy. Or for some people, the primary obsession is contamination. So they're worried about getting sick or getting uh, uh, some sort of illness or passing that on. Then the secondary obsession is thinking about the way that we're obsessing. Am I obsessing differently? Am I obsessing normally? Is this consistent with the way that I was obsessing last week? Because if not, well, what does that mean that I'm obsessing differently? Is it developing into a new fear? Has it changed? Is it getting worse? What if the next fear is even worse? So this gets into what we do call obsessing about obsessing, and that can, as a whole other can of worms that we can talk about in a future episode. Now, by the way, if you have a question about that, one of you callers or listeners out there, I'd love to hear it because someone out there is experiencing obsessing about obsessing, and they would love to hear about it. Okay, so I think the main question you have is, how do I deal with this? Well, I'm going to point out, you, you, you submitted this question to me. You didn't submit this to um, the Schizophrenia podcast, or you didn't submit this to the Going Crazy podcast. You submitted it to a podcast about OCD and anxiety. So, somewhere deep down, you know, likely speaking, that it's OCD and anxiety. Now, I will say, I have no idea if you're going crazy. It's possible. There are a lot of, quote, crazy people out there. There are a lot of people out there who have schizophrenia or something else out there that is a different diagnosis than OCD and anxiety, but is the ones that we colloquially will call going crazy. I'm putting all this in quotes. Y'all can't see that, but I'm doing it. So, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, if you do have a genuine concern about this, go to a real therapist in person, do a full evaluation, express this concern to them, and see what they have to say. Now, you have submitted this question to the OCD or an OCD podcast, so it may be reasonable to go to an OCD therapist in person, lay all this stuff out there, and see what they have to say. See if they will uh, differentiate between the, quote, going crazy or losing control and the OCD. And once they give you their diagnosis, follow what they say. There's the tendency to then evaluate and question and read up on it and then ask another therapist and ask this doctor and then ask my cousin. Um, that starts getting compulsive and re really ultimately unhelpful. So again, how do I deal with this? So number one that I will say to anybody who has a fear of going crazy 
is just wait. Someone will tell you. If you're going crazy, trust me, people are going to tell you. They're going to come up to you and say, uh, Jenkins, you're asking, you're acting crazy. This isn't normal or this, I'm, I'm really worried about what you're doing. Someone close to you who knows you, who knows you over time, not that one person you met the one time in the bar or a colleague who peripherally knows you, but it's going to be a close friend, a family member, a loved one. And they're going to sit you down and they're going to say, we're really concerned about you. You're not acting like you. You're, you're, it looks like you're losing control. You're acting weird. It's, it, we don't even know you anymore then you can be concerned. But until then, let's treat it like it's OCD and anxiety, which means one, as you previously have identified here, accept these are thoughts, except that you're having the thought that's going through your mind. It's going to drift in through. It says, Jengus, you're going crazy. It's saying, Jengus, you're about to lose control. It's going to say, you're acting weird. That's not okay. Or where that feared story goes, what is it? What are you afraid of happening if you start to quote, go crazy? And you can start to challenge that. You can say, all right, have I ever acted that way? Is it going to be the worst thing in the world if I do that? Historically speaking, am I the sort of person that does that? Have other people noticed that I go crazy? Have I been treated for schizophrenia? Have I been treated for impulse control disorders? Not that one time in college when I got really hammered, I... I punched a friend because we got into an argument and, oh man, I don't normally punch people. So see, that's evidence for the likelihood that I go crazy. One-off behaviors or things that we don't typically do cannot and should not be evidence of a normal behavior for us. We are all going to do things that are outside of our character, outside of the things that we would like to do or having the character that we would like to have. We all do it. It's not evidence of the overall behaviors that you have or the type of character that you have. So you can ignore that. You can say, overall, likely speaking, am I the sort of person that has, quote, lost control or has been acting weird? Or am I the sort of person that from time to time does or thinks things that are a little different or that scare me? From that, then, you can start to accept that in those moments, sometimes we're going to have those thoughts or those images or those sensations and we could allow them to be there. Now, if you're working with a therapist, you can do some great exposures for this. Cognitive exposures, as you identified, are fantastic things. Now, for those of you who don't know, cognitive exposures are stories that we write in first person and in present tense where the feared thing that we're worried about happening actually happens in this story. We write it out to incredible detail. Now, there are a couple of different uh, camps in the way that you can approach this, but ultimately speaking, you write it so that you intentionally feel uncomfortable. So, Jengus, you can write a story in first person and in present tense where you actually go crazy and all the things you're worried about happening, you losing control and acting weird and, that f and describing the facial expressions on your loved ones when they find out that you've gone crazy or the police coming to your house or the police dragging you out of your work because you're acting so crazy. Maybe them throwing you in, in a insane asylum as uh, if they exist still out there um, and then putting you in a straight jacket, putting you in that padded room all those images that you're that are bouncing between your ears that you're so afraid of you can write that out in this story where it's actually happening to you 
Another way to guide some exposures that you can do is to think about what avoidances you're doing, what sort of topics you're avoiding, what sort of people you're avoiding seeing, or whatever the case may be, and progressively work towards doing some of those things. So if it's if you've been avoiding a movie that has to do with losing control or going crazy or acting weird, watch that movie. Now, it doesn't mean you need to like it. It doesn't mean you need it needs to be your favorite movie after this. But you can watch that movie and notice the feelings that come up. See if you can tolerate the discomfort that you have while you're watching that movie. Seeing if you can get through it and say, yeah, I can get through this. This is just a movie. Now, except, by the way, this could happen to you. We all have the capacity to go crazy. We all have the, pa- the capacity to act out of our values, or act outside of our values, rather. Now, it doesn't mean that just because we do that, that it's the end of the world, or that we are going to be locked up, or that our life is over. But it could happen. But it isn't happening right now, likely speaking. So, between right now and the time that you go crazy, we need to tolerate the anxiety in this moment. So how do we do that? How do we go back to, as I mentioned at the top of the show, your three to five things? How do you cope with the anxiety of potentially going crazy and waiting until somebody says, Jengis, you're acting crazy. Now, until they say that, they haven't said that. Between now and the time that you are actually going crazy, how do you tolerate this anxiety? So thanks for the question. All right, and that is that. If you have a question or comment for a future episode, you can either leave me a voice message at 714-594-9281, or feel free to visit the website at www.fearcastpodcast.com. Click on the Submit a Question link and leave your message there. So while I love answering these big, broad questions about OCD and anxiety, uh, feel free to call in or email in some of your very specific questions. What's, what, are the, what are the symptoms that you're dealing with? What are the specific obsessions that you have? One thing that would be really helpful is to hear what your feared story is. So that feared story is that thing that your brain tells you, that story your brain's telling you about, what the fear is, and then what's going to happen to you because of it. Calling in with those details can really help me to, to fine-tune some specific exposures that you might try or you might want to talk about with your therapist. So the more details that you can provide, the better off my answers are going to be and the more detailed they're going to be. Remember, the FearCast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you have any questions about finding a therapist or need extra help in your recovery, you can visit the Find Help page at fearcastpodcast.com and you can uh, hopefully find some help there. So until next time, Take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously.